welcome to the Atomic Nutrition Podcast. On this show, I'll be diving deep into the world of nutrition coaching, giving you the do's, the don'ts, and the how-tos in running a successful, scalable nutrition program. I'm Erin Hurst, and I can't wait to share what I've learned after over a decade of doing it myself. today's episode, I want to talk about creating a check-in process that is fail-proof that helps your clients succeed. Um, As nutrition coaches or lifestyle coaches, habit coaches, whatever you want to call yourself, but as somebody who helps people in their nutrition, their lifestyle, um, one of the things that we need to make sure we're doing is providing accountability. I think that's one of the big buzzwords that's been going around for the last few years is we're going to provide accountability because the reality is people need accountability, right? Most people know some of the things they should be doing to get success. They're just not good at doing them um, themselves without somebody checking in on them. So the check-in process is pretty important. Now, that check-in process can look a lot of different ways. And one of the things I like to do is create an SOP or a standard operating procedure around those check-in processes. That way, if I want to um, hire a new coach, I can make sure that I have something, a list together to say, this is what we're going to look for. And this is, these are the obstacles we're going to overcome. In any client journey, we're going to see um, drop-off points. And I know with nutrition coaching, we're going to see one of the biggest drop-off points is going to be in week three. Because, you know, typically speaking, you're going to see week one, people are really excited. It's new. It's fancy. They're totally bought in. They're, they're, they've got all cylinders um, firing. By week two, it's okay. Like, this is still really fun and new. It's a little bit of work and it's not quite as new. So the shiny object is wearing off a little bit. But we're still pretty excited. We're still having fun. And then by week three, especially when it relates to nutrition, people are still getting those cravings. At this point, it just feels like work and it's not even fun anymore because really, to be honest, like it's not new. It's just feeling like laborsome. And so a lot of times we're going to see our biggest drop off with clients in week three. Um, And then typically if we can get the client through week three and into week four, we're going to see um, a higher stick rate of anybody who makes it positively through week four, still making good progress and having their head in the right space. They can make it through week four. We've got somebody who we can keep on the line for a really long time. Um, and then be, by week five, things are really starting to smooth to, to sail smoothly. By week six, they're thinking to themselves, like, how could I even go backwards? How could I ever go back to like living the way I was before, eating the types of foods I was before? I can't even see myself as that person anymore. And then at that point, once we get them there, it's helping them stay there. It's not necessarily trying to get them to a new place. We just really want to help keep that momentum shifting forward and keep them from rolling backwards at that point. If we can keep them doing that, then we'll prevent them from from unwinding the progress they've made. Now, a lot of times when people run six-week challenges, this this is the big challenge, right? Is that we get people to week six where they're looking back thinking, I'll never go back to that. And then the challenge is over and guess what happens? The client goes right back to what they were doing because they no longer have that accountability. So we know accountability is really important. So there's different areas that we can look for accountability and how we can provide the best accountability process possible. Um, Now, what got me spurred to thinking of all of this is um, one of our employees was asking about creating um, a check-in process for one of our other businesses. And Um, As I started working through this process, um, she didn't really know where to start. And I was like, well, you know, I don't know the specifics of the details that you're looking for, um, but I can give you a framework. Framework, And I thought, wow, this framework could be really powerful for a gym owner who's just starting nutrition coaching because really it's the same in the end. Um, And so what the key points that I I jotted down for her were um, identify what a thriving client experience looks like. So this is the process in which I go through. Um, to make sure that I'm providing my client with the best possible 
um, scenario to having long-term success with our programs. And so in any of my programs that I write in, in Atomic, I'm always covering these bases and sometimes in subtle ways, sometimes in not so subtle ways for the client end of things. Um, so what does a thriving client experience look like? This is a really good question. Um, if nothing else, ask yourself this question is, what should a thriving client experience look like? Now, if you've had clients who've had success in the past, ask yourself what the common denominators are between those clients who get success. What are the things that those clients do and look back at their processes and see if you can draw any conclusions. So what are the key factors in their success? Are they, do you have maybe trainings that you put them through or content? And how engaged with they are they with that content and those trainings? Um, are they? Do you have like weekly Zoom calls that they show that they can attend? Are those people showing up to the calls? Right, that's a really good question. Are they showing up? Um, are they showing up to classes? Are they showing up to any extracurriculars that you guys are doing? Um, do you have, if you're running Zoom calls, are they showing up on the Zoom calls? Are they being present? Um, if there's tasks that you ask them that they're supposed to be completing, are they completing all of those tasks? Are they um, consistently completing the things that they need to complete, whether it be check-ins or um, food logs or you know any, any of the little details that you want them tracking and engaging with? Are they doing those tasks? Um, another thing might be um, perhaps you're asking them to do weigh-ins. Are they keeping up on their weigh-ins? Are they doing them every week? Are you having to chase them down for information, right? Um, or are they taking an active participation with, with this process. Um, and then, you know, another question you could ask is, is there, is there somewhere they should be in terms of your program? Like maybe are, should they be on a new level of your program? Are they where they should be? Um, so these are some questions you want to ask about the client experience. Um, are they losing weight or reaching goals? Are they not? Are they, you know, um, are they, maintaining an open line of communication? Are they honest? Are they vulnerable? Like these are some questions you could be asking about your client, a thriving client experience. What is your, what are your, what do your thriving clients have in common? Write those things down because if we can figure out what our thriving clients have in common, the next question we would ask ourselves is how can we take those things and make sure that all clients are doing those things? So if I know that um, showing up on calls and making sure that they're doing their weigh-ins and uploading all their metrics without being asked every week. If those are things um, that I know lead to a, a client who's going to have great success, then how can I find ways to get those clients to do those things um, on their own accord? Or maybe putting in some type of a system to where, hey, if they're not showing up on the calls, um, I, something triggers me to let me know that, hey, you've X amount of people, these people aren't showing up on your calls or these amount of people aren't doing their check-ins. And then I can reach out to those people before it's too late and say, hey, I'd love to see you on our calls. You know, what's holding you back? So if I know what the thriving client experience looks like and I can say, all right, well, I know these clients do these things, then how can I get all of my clients to do those things? Because I know that then all of my clients will be thriving. And then the next question I wanna ask myself is, what does a failing client experience look like? This one's less fun to go through, but to be honest, it's probably um, equally, if not more important than the thriving client experience. I need to figure out what are the common denominators between people who don't stick around in my program. So um, if I'm doing a nutrition coaching program and I've got you know a high drop-off rate at the three-month mark or the three-week mark or whatever that marker is, I need to ask myself, what do these people who drop off have in common? Um, people who either downgrade their memberships or cancel their memberships, um, you know, maybe, maybe those people rarely show up to my, you know, Q and A's, 
All right, so if that's the case, if I notice that there's a common denominator between my thriving clients always showing up for Q and A's and my failing clients never show up for Q and A's, then what's the issue? Is it that the failing clients, they didn't know about the Q and A's, they didn't have access to the Q and A's, maybe they weren't at a good time, maybe the, the Q and A, maybe I need to add an additional Q and A session so that we can cover more time frames, right? Um, because if we know that attending a Q&A is going to improve our success rate drastically, then maybe it's on me to create a few more of those opportunities if it's maybe in a, in a time frame where not a lot of people can attend. Um, so this is how we're going to reverse engineer what creates a, a successful client is also by looking at what creates a failing client. Um, maybe it's failure to um, go through the trainings. Now, why are they not going through the trainings? Maybe if I've got a high percentage of people that don't go through my content or my trainings, What's the holdup? Why are they not going through the content? And it could just be as simple as asking, hey, you know, I noticed you haven't been going through the content. Is there a particular reason? Um, if it's like, hey, you know, it's just too much. It's too long. There's, there's, um, you know, I don't have time for it. I don't know where to find it. I never know where to log in. I, there's a lot of questions you could be asking or that your client could be sharing with you that are, are good reasons. And if, it, if it's a lack of, of knowledge, like, hey, I wasn't even, I didn't even, wasn't even aware that there was trainings, right? That's a pretty big problem. It's a pretty big gap you could fill. Um, if it's like, you know, oh, they're too long, that's a good indication that maybe you should cut back the length of your content or your trainings a little bit so that your clients don't have so much to go through. Um, oh, you know, it's just too many things to be tracking. Okay, cool. So if, if I know that there's a common denominator between that there's way too many things to be tracked, and that's a common issue that a lot of the failing people have, then perhaps I need to re revisit my trainings to say, hey, you know, do I have too many things on here? Am I trying to ask people to make too many big changes at once? Um, and what happens if I paired those back just a little bit? Would I see a higher rate of success for my clients? Um, the next one is like, maybe it's taking certain clients too long to reach their goals. And is it because we're setting goals that are too far off in the distance? We're not setting enough milestones. Are we maybe setting the wrong types of goals? Maybe we focus too much on setting, um, outcome goals. We're not really working on behavior goals. There's a lot of things that you can unpack here when it comes to what a failing client experience look like, looks like. But I think the big, most important thing is finding the common denominator between the thriving experience and the failing experience and seeing how you can fill the gaps. See how you can create uh, fail safes right before the failure happens. So if I know that um, if a client makes it into week three and they haven't done a single check-in with me and they haven't you know, done a single weigh-in, they're more than likely not going to stick around. Then I need to have something in place in week two to ensure that I'm checking in with that client to say, hey, I noticed you haven't done a weigh-in yet. Um, let's go ahead and get you weighed in so that we can keep you on track. Just getting that touch point with them in week two can prevent them from falling off completely in week three. These are just little, little details you can think of, but really it's write down your thriving experience, write down your failing experience, see what conclusions you can draw, and then see if there's a, an operating procedure you can put in place. Like, hey, I know I'm gonna do a check-in. I know that if I have X amount of people suggest that the reason that they you know, didn't see value was out of my program is because they couldn't attend the calls, then I, need, I know that I need to add another call time. These are just some ideas and just some thoughts. Obviously, everybody's practice and, and um, systems look a little bit different, um, but just some things to consider today um, as far as your client experience goes, but making sure that your clients know where that they can get help, how to reach you, um, and then communicating back with those clients that maybe are struggling so that you can find ways um, of, of uh, tracking what it is about the people who fail and what it is about the people who thrive. Um, so you can really bring a better experience to everybody involved. So that's all I have for you guys today. It's going to um, kind of wrap up the, the, um, the podcast for today. I hope 
hopefully that was helpful for you. Um, and as always, have a wonderful day. Thanks for joining me on this episode of the Atomic Nutrition Podcast. You can find more information about the Atomic Coaching System at getatomiccoaching.com. And if you found value in this episode, please make sure to like and subscribe. Happy coaching.